Care First is kind of the brainchild of a group of us here at Pet Desk. And it is the idea that we're trying to unite clients and clinics for better care for pets. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPaws Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Hey, Positive Leaders, welcome back to another episode of the Positive Leadership Podcast. Andrea and I, and me personally, I'm super excited to have our next guest on. Mary Schwartz is a senior solutions consultant at Pet Desk. She's also a certified veterinary technician. And as an aside, I met Mary many moons ago in a leadership session, and she blew me away. And I was super excited to see her make the jump from clinical medicine into leadership into allied industry. So welcome, Mary. This has been like, I feel like a full circle coming around for you to be on the pod. Yeah. Thank you both. It really is. I was totally starstruck in that leadership session, David. I'd been coming to your speaking (laughs) sessions for years. And then (laughs) we had that small group session and I was like, he is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because like, that's basically, Andrea, keep me real here. That's basically what this podcast has been is people that she and I have connected with. And Andrea gets the same thing. There are people that are like, Andrea is such a rock star. Like I met her at this thing. And so it's kind of fun to have y'all on the pod and just talk, you know, over some fake coffee, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me on. So one of our kind of traditions at the Positive Leadership Podcast is we do not read stuffy bios. So, you know, without having to read your bio, can you tell us and our listeners about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So most importantly, my favorite food is Mexican food. I have seven cats. I live in Florida. But career-wise, I have been in veterinary medicine since the early, like mid-2000s, so 2005, 2006. Started out in equine medicine, um, was a technician in equine, and realized that I you know, really wanted to do more hands-on 
medical stuff. And, and for me, equine was a lot of holding horses and going out and getting horses from the field and, and that kind of thing. So I wanted to be more hands-on with the medical aspect. So I uh, got into small animal medicine. I worked with a mobile vet for a little bit and then hopped over to an emergency practice. And man, that's where things really took off for me. I got my CBT worked in that practice for uh, five, six years, uh, moved up into management in that practice as a technician manager, learned so much, so much so fast in emergency. And then from there, hopped over to a five doctor general practice and managed there for about five years and then moved us from there two years ago. That is super cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that journey. We also love to figure out what's kind of on your recent either reading docket, you know, favorite book, or what you've been listening to podcast or a course you've taken something that's really made a kind of impact on you either recently or historically, anything that you know, in the in that vein, you want to share with our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So personally, podcast wise, I've been listening to a show called Dollop. It's very not politically correct, but it's a hilarious take on individual moments in American history. That's just super fun. In terms of professionally, for books, books that have really impacted my career in general are Radical Candor and Crucial Conversations. We work in an industry full of introverts. So those books were enormously helpful with me in shaping clinic culture, but also even moving into the industry side of things. And on a personal level, there's a poet named Ocean Vuong who does absolutely incredible poetry, but he wrote a book called On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. And so I thought I would share a quote from that book that's super relevant to veterinary medicine. The rules like streets can only take you to known places. Underneath the grid is a field. It was always there. Where to be lost is never wrong, but simply more. So as we explore nice. our careers in nice. medicine. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Super yeah, I love that quote. I love that. Both of those books that you mentioned, I yes. have read. I freaking mm-hmm. love Radical Candor. Yes. And the podcast. Her story podcast about, too. Yeah. Oh, did she? Do? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That story when she talked about her boss basically saying, you um a lot and you sound stupid was amazing. And for her to say that I had such trust with my boss that they could say that to me and I felt like it was the ums that were stupid, not me, really spoke to how giving raw, you know, real and immediate feedback is so useful. And we just make it not about the person being bad. We make it about the issue, but we give that feedback because it's essential. So she, she's a freaking rock star. I love her. Yeah, I know. She's fantastic. Who said those? And I was like, yay, I knew I'd like her. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good book. And I'll be honest, when I first started at Pet Desk on the new hire onboarding, they shaped their uh, culture around radical candor. And it, that was when I knew I was like, this is the place for me for sure. So really impactful book. Fantastic. I encourage everybody to read that or listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Absolutely. I have to say, Mary, that I cyber stalked you because I did not know who you were when David said, we're having Mary on the show. And he was all jazzed about it. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I don't know who she is, but sure, let's do it. So I cyber stalked you and I came up with kind of my interpretation of kind of who I felt you were under the core. So I want to ask you about this and, and feel free to get on your soapbox. But okay. I saw this several times, care first, and I almost felt like it's your mantra. So tell me about what care first is to you and why, if I'm correct in to say it's your mantra or words to live by or, or like, like, tell me about that. What is this care first? Yeah. So care first is kind of the brainchild of a group of us here at Pet Desk. And it is the idea that we're trying to unite clients and clinics for better care for pets. Pet Desk's uh, mission has always been to create such a tight-knit bond between clients and 
pet parent or clinics and pet parents that we can extend the lives of pets by just helping with research, helping with the client and veterinarian bond. And so Care First to me is helping clinics create an environment in which clients are seeking them out to consult them and in which clinics are able to groom their clientele to be the type of clients that put their pets care first and view their veterinarian as a critical, if not the most important piece of their pet's care. Love it. Fantastic. I was trying to dig in there a little bit. So thank you for (laughs) clarifying. And I I did uh, hunt down your podcast as well and check out the episode that David and Sam uh, did together. So tell me what the name of your podcast is. So the podcast is Simple Interrupted. So it's kind of a play on that sutra pattern, right? But it's also a play on our industry, right? So 20 years ago, it felt pretty simple to be in the veterinary industry, pretty straightforward. And it has that flow has definitely gotten interrupted as the industry has grown and evolved and changed so much. And now it doesn't feel so simple anymore. So trying 100%. to help. Yeah. I know, right? It's yeah. it's crazy just in the time that I was in clinic, the difference between then and now. So just helping clinics navigate that from a management perspective, culture perspective, and handling their clients' perspective. So you mentioned when you were in clinics. So you're not in clinics anymore, but you have been a veterinary professional, a certified vet tech, so a, a veterinary, you know, vet tech, vet nurse um, on the floor doing veterinary technology and a practice manager and, and done leadership, but all in clinical medicine, right in the hospital. Yeah. What made you make the leap to allied industry and take off the stethoscope, get out of the clinic, but continue to help and move veterinary medicine forward? I'll be honest, when I was in practice, even four or five years ago, I would have never said that I would move to industry. I was completely dedicated to staying in the clinic and really, 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 really bonded to my practice. However, COVID happened. (laughs) And I think COVID was the thing that kind of tipped me over the edge, right? So when COVID first started and we shut our doors and having to deal with the difference in the way clients spoke to us and talked to us and interacted with us before COVID, it wasn't that bad after it was really, really difficult and helping navigate the going curbside using uh, digital means of communication, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I I got really tired at that point And I kind of said, you know, I think it's time that I tap out. Um, I felt like the pay wasn't equivocal to the job I was doing. There's nothing on the clinic. It was average pay for a practice management role. Uh, and I felt like my career growth was tapped out. So I kind of saw myself at a juncture where I could go get my CVPM and try to manage more than one clinic, or I could look for something else. So let's talk about that pet desk. You've said them a few times and that's who you made the the leap to. But there is millions, I, I shouldn't say millions, there are tons of other companies that you could have made the leap to. Like you said, you could have gone one direction with management or gone, gone with allied industry in another leap. And you chose not only to go to allied industry, but pet desk. So tell me one or two or three things about either the services pet decks offer or what their philosophy is, or what is it that made you say, I want to work for them? Yeah, yeah. So when I first started looking, and I'm sure you, you're you both probably aware of this as well, kind of the first place that you feel like you can look when you're coming out of a, or you're looking to leave a clinical setting is, you know, bigger corporations, you know, the Idexes, Zoetis, Covetris, things like that. Um, and it seems like a natural evolution to move into being a drug rep or something of that nature. 
but I really didn't want to do that. And the more I talked to the reps, I realized, you know, that wasn't kind of the career path I wanted to take. And so in sitting on it a little while, I noticed that Pet Desk had a, a job listing for a customer success manager. And it was someone who consulted with clinics, helped them with their workflows, um, obsessed over the details with the managers, and really did their best to make that clinic's experience with Pet Desk as, as good as it could be. And so I applied for it. I think for me, seeing that job opening and having had an experience with Pet Desk and clinic, knowing how they treated me as a customer was a good indicator for how they would have treated me as an employee, first of all. But then also seeing the impact that Pet Desk had at our clinic, seeing how much our clients loved it, seeing how much the team appreciated that we had it in place. I knew it was a solution that I could get behind and talk about other clinics, talk about with other clinics. That makes a lot of sense. What are a couple of things that Pet Desk offers that you just fell in love with when you're working in hospital? Appointment requesting was a huge one for us. So being able to let clients request an appointment from either the, the their website or from their mobile app, those were both huge. Having the records in the phone, I mean, you guys know, people call dozens of times a day asking you to send their records hither and yonder. And it is a huge clogger of the phone lines. So being able to say, hey, just download our app and you'll have all your pets records right there on the phone for you. Mm. Uh, that was a big, big relief for us. Nice. And then we use the loyalty program. Loved the loyalty program and our mm -hmm. clients loved it too. Yes. Nice. Say it That's again cool. People in the back. Yes. Yeah. Totally talk loyalty. about that really quickly. I love that. <laughs> I know. I, I tell people I used to uh, nerd out in clinic about, you know, anesthesia and pain management and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I loved. I loved the data around that. And now for me, it's become loyalty. <laughs> it's become the loyalty program. Yeah. That's awesome. That's no, good. we yes. had, um, who was the guest we had on? Was it uh, Brian? McRae, yeah. Uh, Brian McRae, yeah, who was talking about... Veterinary Solutions, yeah. Yeah, so he has a loyalty system as well. He does a loyalty program. Well and, I just love um, that loyalty program. Yeah. Like, I am yeah. so about it. I am the punch card queen. I totally believe in it. <laughs> I want to keep our clients coming back. Like, I feel like we spend yeah. so much money finding clients and getting right. new clients. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Why don't you just keep the ones you have? Yeah. Oh, I love right. it. I'm all about it. There's not much they get from coming to a repeat visit to the vet. It's almost like we have basically negative reinforcement, right? So they come when their vet's sick, mm -hmm. so they see it negatively. Or if they do do their annuals and their dentals and all that stuff, it's great, except we kind of just give them their pet back and charge them a lot of money, right? Rather than saying, hey, great job, or thank you so much for bringing them in, and here's something back, right? Like that's the, that's the reward, that's the treat. That's why dogs stay and roll over when you give them a treat, because it's positive reinforcement versus negative. Yes. Yeah. It's huge to actually be able to say, here's a good experience when you come to our clinic and we want to give back to you for not coming to our clinic for one exam and then hopping to another clinic where you think you can get things cheaper. I wanted Absolutely. to share, Absolutely. did you know that it costs 30 times more to acquire a new client for your practice than it does to retain an existing client? Oh, for sure. Love it. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. And, and the spend is different too, right? So a mm -hmm. A returning client is going to have a much, much higher ACT or, you know, average client transaction than a new client. New client, you have to build the trust. They're very yes. wary. Yeah. It might be just a, you know, a normal kind of health exam. 
the returning client, you know, you've got them on the heartworm, they're getting the vaccines, they're being sold on dental preventatives, they're doing, you know, they're getting routine dentals, like it's all those things. So absolutely, absolutely. It's the same with employees, isn't it? It costs a lot to yes, bring right. in a new person and train them that to keep a really great employer or at least level up somebody who's been there, you know, so. Exactly, exactly. It's huge. And it helps with compliance too, right? So they're 50% more likely to try a new product if it's an existing client than if it's a yeah, new client. That's a good point. Dang, interesting. So, yeah, that's fascinating. You know, Mary, you had me on a vodcast recently, which was really awesome, by the way. You all should check it out. Pet Desk mm-hmm. sponsored. It's on YouTube about the state of the vet tech profession. And we had some freaking powerhouses on that vodcast. And the cool thing was it was a follow up because we had done that. Was it last year or the year before? Was it two years ago that we did? Yeah, the first we did one it October year? 2021. And we did okay, it October so- of last year. Yeah, so it was like a year follow-up. So it was really cool Mm -hmm. to see that come full circle. But I want to kind of pass the torch to you a little bit. As a CVT, as a current CVT, who, you know, worked the floor right up until the day that you became, you know, working with PetDesk, where do you see the veterinary technician technology profession? What are we doing well and what's going well for us as vet techs? And what are things that are not going well for us and things that even the profession can do better? I mean, I think what's going well is that we're making a lot of noise right now, right? So there hasn't been a ton of shift yet. We're starting to see it. There are companies like Veg, like a couple of these newer kind of boutique vets like Modern Animal that are paying people the salary they should be paid as a veterinary nurse. But I think the thing is we're starting to see that shift in the profession because there's a lot of noise being made. Interesting. So when you talk about this noise, what are and again, I I kind of know, but I, I, you know, a lot of our listeners are owners and managers, so they may not be Mm -hmm. so close to that. What's the noise that they're making? Like, what are the issues that you think are, you know, are kind of top of mind that are important for vet techs, but are also should be important for our managers and owners that listen to be thinking about and trying to innovate on and, you know, to, to retain the vet techs? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely career growth probably number one. And I think that we also get really stuck in this idea that career growth has to equal a management role. And I've talked about this a lot with friends of mine in other industries. And the idea of making career growth not necessarily a people track, but it can be another track is something really to think about what that might look like in your clinic. Um, Not everybody's cut out to be a people manager or even wants to, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve a path to grow their career into something really amazing. Yeah, I would agree. And I think one of the things I really feel passionate about when I'm talking with employees is no matter what position of the practice that they're in, I'm constantly just having small little, I don't want to say small or little, but they're short term goals, right? This may be mm-hmm. three month goals or three week goals. It doesn't have to be, you know, this big leap into management, right? And what other directions do you want to dabble in? What other things do you want to see if this may be something for you? And expanding the skill set. And again, you're right, doesn't always have to be this big, huge leadership jump where you're going, okay, now I'm going to go from, you know, RB team supervisor or lead into practice manager. There can be other things too, right? And, and educational goals too. It can be like a VTS, but I also think that there's other things like, have you done any, you know, extensive dentistry training or ultrasound training or, you know, mm-hmm. anesthesia training, critical care training? So I do think that there's other pieces to the pie that we miss when we're not in communication with our team to try to figure out, hey, how can we allow you to grow within the practice and not lose you, right? 
because I don't want to lose someone like you to allied industry. No offense, Pet Desk, but I'd love to take Mary myself. <laughs> um, if I ever want to do relief like you, work, I'll hit you up, Andrea. You know, it's not even relief work. It's just more of like be that person that's in the practice yeah. that is a leader, right? That's a good, solid leader because I feel like we lack those in practice where people can see that, feel that, have the support of the team. It's like, yes, I, sure, great. Come place a catheter somewhere at a hospital, monitor anesthesia for me. But really just be the leader in the practice and be mm-hmm. the person that, you know, people can look up to and, and feel supported by and, and see what a good leader looks like. I think we just don't have enough good, solid leaders in our profession to start, like you said, make that noise, but then start seeing some of that change, right? Let's let's see some positive change in a lot of different areas too. So I appreciate yeah. that about, you know, having you as a CBT that's other technicians can look up to and say, one day when I grow up, I want to be like Mary. Oh man, that would be, uh, I don't know that I could fill those shoes, but I hope to someday. I definitely think that we have a crisis in our industry, Andrea, exactly like you said, of not having enough strong leaders. And by this, I mean people who really want to develop those leadership skills because leadership is a constant work in progress. It's never just yeah, a right. title or a promotion. Yeah. And it's hard. <laughs> yes. It's and it, it. I always feel like it stretches us, right? Like I always say, if you're mm-hmm. constantly not on that verge of stretching, and and you're not feeling that tug, right? If you're not being uncomfortable every day, then you're not growing as a leader, right? We got to stretch, and we got, and that stretching and that growing is is uncomfortable. It's hard. It's hard work. Yeah, it's a lot of brain oh, yeah. power. Yeah, it's vulnerable work too. Yeah, yeah, you said it. <laughs> I had a, a team meeting this morning, and we talked about vulnerability, and I'm like, nobody likes to be naked in front of other people, but we have to be if we're not going to grow. You know, we have to be transparent and vulnerable in front of each other, and you know, servant leadership, right? Be at, from the ground up. You know, we're servant based, and I think that's a something, to, a philosophy to be more cognizant of. I want to switch gears a little bit with you. And I want to talk about a few things that I tend to geek out on as far as a manager goes. Compliance, reminders, forward booking, lapse clients, and my ultimate favorite, deferred service reminders. There is so much client communication that I think we just missed the boat on. It's a huge gap, like ravine Mm -hmm. I don't know, like a canyon. It's just, we miss it, completely miss it. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about client communication in the 21st century. I want to know if we could ever have a practice with no phones. I say yes. And there are already practices who are utilizing call centers or remote receptionist positions to get the phone out of the practice. And so, I mean, to answer your question, a little bit yes and no, right? So by yes, I mean, it's not physically in the practice. By no, I mean, we're just putting it somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I it goes it. away completely. Sure. But I think we can get it out the door. Yeah, I know there's receptionists that want to throw that phone out the window some days when it's like super crazy off the hook. And I think, yes, having some kind of call center or people that are just assigned to the phones. Yeah, we can't get rid of it, but can we figure out how to have utilize because we have it right utilize Mm -hmm. better communication with our clients so that we don't have that chronic phone call coming in right and chronic it's all which is great like we always say like if the phones are ringing off the hook that's excellent we're busy but at the same time are we providing customer service and client service the way we could can we do better at it 
And what are some of the things that we can do when it comes to things like compliance reminders and forward booking and lapse clients and deferred service reminders, all those things that we can do better with client communication that reduce the amount of phone calls and, and honestly, the frustration a lot of times too, right? So I yeah, love absolutely. that you say we can do it. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. a way, like, is there anything that you think that Pet Desk can do to partner with us to work on some of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, this is what Pet Desk does, right? So at its core, the way it started is a reminder service, but not just any reminder service, a reminder service that really engages pet parents so that they want to continue interacting with the practice. And now we've grown to over 4 million app users. And we provide clinics with four different methods by which to reach their clients. So text, email, app, or postcard. And we find that I think it's something like 92% of pet parents stay opted into communications from Pet Desk, which means that the clinic's actually reaching them. And I think the big thing to note around this is that as clinics, we get really stuck in the way that we perceive the world. And I say that having been that person up until I left clinic, I was very stuck in the way that I perceived how I should be communicating with my clients, how my clients wanted me to communicate with them. And coming out of that, I really see now that we need to have a better understanding of how our clients want to be communicated with and provide that communication. Yeah. I think that was very well said. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. We missed the vote on a few things. And I I think it's because like you're saying, we get stuck in that rut. Mm -hmm. We really do. There's also, I mean, just to reiterate what you were saying, I've had more conversations with clinics than I care to, you know, admit where I've asked them is, can we move, you know, we talk about workflows and burnout and all these things. And Mm -hmm. I've talked about moving some process to text or to automated email or something. So for example, texting normal blood work, right? Like this is something that a lot of us are doing now, but a couple of years ago, this is pre-COVID, this is like 2019 when I was working on this. And I said, we can create a template that, you know, you can either hotkey or you can copy paste. It'll just say, hi, insert client name, insert pets names, blood work is normal. Great job. See you next year. And click, 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 fire, fire, fire. And oh my God, the doctors were against it. The front desk was even against our clients will never respond to that. And the funny thing about that is that I I totally understand, you know, where you're coming from and I hear you, it's your opinion and they will fight to the death that it is not their opinion, Mm -hmm. that it is, it is data, right? It is raw information. (laughs) And then you look at other services, like, I don't know, your dentist who's been texting you for 10 years. And so that's what I think you're kind of saying or hinting at is we absolutely get stuck in this place of our, you know, what we perceive is real. Our clients will never want this to happen. And then, you know, you have to gently challenge it. Like, well, how do you know? Well, because I talked to one person and they said they would hate it, you know, or we texted one person and that never worked. And the reality is that none of that is actually true. Like there is science and marketing and data and surveys that we can do and figure out what the clients want and then just deliver it. And sometimes we're, sometimes we miss the mark 100%, but sometimes we miss the mark by not actually hitting the mark, which is what they want. So I I, I totally hear you on that for sure. Yeah, so exactly. We recently had an economist on the show, Darren Osborne, who is amazing and hilarious. He is the economist, uh, chief economist for the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association. So he's Canadian. And we wanted to grill him a little bit about this big fat R word recession. You know, what do we mm-hmm. do? Oh, my God, we go into recession. And it is all over the news, right? Oh, my God. You know, people were buying like crazy at Christmas. But oh, my God, nobody's got any money. You know, stimulus has dried up. We're going into a recession. 
So, you know, we challenged him to give us some good ideas. And so I encourage our listeners, if you haven't heard that episode to listen, but he was talking about how some of the risk is to general practices and preventative care that, you know, people when their pocketbooks are tighter are less apt to pay for the regular stuff, but, you know, they might spring for emergency. And so mm-hmm. um, he had some good ideas for GPs, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, if we if we face a recession, what are your suggestions and you know, for for general practices to try to also be proactive and almost defensive or aggressive against what we think might happen in, say, I don't know, three, six months, whatever they think, whenever they think this will come. And then also, how can practices use the system, you you know, the pet test system to help maintain and, uh, you know, maintain that revenue if things slow down? Yeah. Well, I mean, we already mentioned loyalty, which I think we're all in agreement on is huge especially if we're looking at going into a recession, right? So we want clients not only to be sticky, but to be motivated to spend money at the practice beyond just having an emergency. We're actually already hearing from practices that they're slowing down. Not all practices. Some are still going crazy, but we're hearing from some practices that things are slowing down a bit. Um, So that's the time that we want to start thinking about what can we do to maintain our routine services, our routine care. And so our big push is client engagement. We want to have a platform where clients can go and be engaged with their pet's health overall and not delete the app off their phone and forget about it. The reason the app is so important is because we have noticed that an app user that uses PetDesk is going to schedule three times more appointments per year than the average user. And so if you're looking at recession proofing, We want to use every advantage we can to keep that clinic in that pet parent's pocket so that they are top of mind for that pet's care at all times. And it's not something that's easy to forget or easy to gloss over. And the other thing is acquiring new clients, right? So we want to help this clinic stand out, have a better online presence and reputation and stand out from other clinics so that they can attract those new clients, especially when it's looking at, you know, business getting a little bit scarce, we want to capture as many new clients as we can, make it easier for them to book and remove barriers to getting those clients in through the practice doors. Excellent. I love those ideas. And I think that they are all things, again, that we can just kind of like tighten up that communication, right? And increase the way we are communicating with clients. It's mo better, right? We just need to do better yes. at it. And one step at a time. Mary, talk to me about three common mistakes that you think, you know, one or two or three common mistakes that you think we make with client communication or other things where we just blow it and really need to just stop doing tomorrow. Can you give us a few of those? Oh my gosh. Do we have all day? Yeah, right. Okay. Or maybe five <laughs> or 10. <laughs> um, we already touched on one of them, right? So assuming how your clients want to be communicated with, stop it. Stop doing that. Ask them if you really want to know. Yeah. Stop assuming how they want to be communicated with. Stop assuming that if you use digital communications, you're going to decrease your client bonding or you're, you know, going to become impersonal and not have that personal touch with your clients. If we borrow from human medicine, there's a survey of a little over a thousand uh, patients that found that 80% of people would prefer to communicate with a healthcare provider over a digital channel. So that's fantastic. Sink in for a minute, but I will say that I'm in that camp. If I did not have to go back to my primary human doctor ever again, and I could tell them over an email, which I did recently when I got sick, that I wasn't feeling well. And they said, Mm -hmm. what are your symptoms? And I said this, and they said, go to the pharmacy, there's antibiotics ready. I was a happy camper. Like, 
I did not have to mm-hmm. drag my sick ass into the sick, you know, the yeah, GP right. office and yeah. sit there and wait and sit on the cold bed and like all of the things that we do as patients. But imagine there our pets don't want to do that either. I'm not telling people we need to go to the vet because you have to bring them in and there's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to say upselling, but like services you offer and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But you're absolutely right. If somebody could just be like, thanks, got the got the blood work or got the got the flea meds at home by and can text that. I am one of those clients, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We need to reframe what being personal with our clients looks like because we're in a completely different place than we were 50 years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I had to give my pet his heartworm flea tick meds the other day and I have a puppy and I wasn't sure about the weight. So I had to Mm -hmm. email my veterinary hospital and it was really quick. Like, hey, how much does ranch weigh? You know, get it back to me. And they did right away. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of stuff is like, that is a communication where I'm not going to call them. I don't need to know that right away. Right. Like just, just email me whenever you get time. It's one, one day, you know, I got to figure out if I'm giving this puppy one or this, the next weight yeah. up kind of thing. But that like when they have time to do it and they get back to me, that is huge service. Right. And, and I would like, why do I need to stop my day about a question like that when I can just shoot an email off or a text message? It comes back to me. We're all happy campers, right? Get that phone out of the practice, right? Super yes. easy to do. And that has increased my bonding with them, not decreased, because they yeah. got back to me. Yeah. And and it was with a little smiley face emoji, you know, like, I think we do get like stuck on stupid with that, right? Like, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not personal touch anymore. If the first thing you say when you pick up your phones is, hi, this is so-and-so animal hospital. Can you please mm-hmm. hold? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You're right. That's so Absolutely. true. Or I used to hate phone trees, but now with COVID, that phone calls mm-hmm. are so crazy. Like, But now we're getting phone trees back in, right? Because the call yeah. was, was crazy from there. So yeah, yeah, like I am all about like, whew, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that leads me into kind of my next question, which is, and I'm going to ask you to speak about your about the company you work for, because I'm sure you love it. And I know it's a great product. We want to hear about it. So you know, is Pet Desk really worth it, Mary? And um, we know you'll give us the real deal. And why can't our customer service representatives, our CSRs, our receptionists just pick up the damn phone? What does Pet Desk offer? And I'm listen, receptionist, I'm taking your side on this. I'm just playing devil's advocate saying, Oh, yeah, you know, what's the ROI on this system? Now, this isn't, you know, I don't think there's any time that Pet Desk replaces the value a receptionist brings to a practice. Can we do some tasks receptionists do? Absolutely. But the reality is that as a manager, you need to be asking yourself, is picking up the phone and calling every single client every single day a fulfilling job for my CSRs? These are the first impressions that my clients have when they walk in the door. Or if my clients really do need to call my practice, if they have an emergency, if their pet isn't feeling well, if they're concerned about something, These are the folks that are the front lines that set that impression and tone for how that client interacts with the practice. So do I really want to give them the super unfulfilling job of calling every client on my books and saying, hey, are you coming in today? Or do I want to enable them to provide the best and most empathetic care to my clients that I can? Love that. I think I feel like we we began the episode talking about technician utilization and kind of making that mm-hmm. little buzz there. And I feel like we kind of ended it with uh, let's utilize not just our tech team, but our CSR team too, right? Like they've got some, they've got skills that we're waste, not wasting, but that we're not putting to the best use when we could yeah. be allowing them to do so much more than appointment confirmations or whatever the case may be. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. We're not allocating their time in a way that makes them feel fulfilled and enhances our customer care 
And it really, it comes down to opportunity cost, right? Like what could your team be doing if they weren't calling clients all day or just picking up the phone back to back to back to back? Yeah. What value does that that bring to your practice? Yeah. I used to say it all the time about paper medical records. Like, can you imagine if we're not chasing paper medical records all over oh the my practice, gosh. hunting down a, a paper chart, right? We could yeah. spend so much more of our time doing more things with our clients and for our clients and our patients than, you know, like having three full-time file clerks run around a 10,000 square foot <laughs> business practice looking for this one chart, you know, or whatever the case may be. So now I think we can turn that into, what, imagine what we could do if we were answering 500 phone calls a day, how much you know, more time we could spend with our clients or our patients. So I love it. Mary, give me one piece of advice that you want to share with our listeners today. I would say for your career, don't let people put you in a box. Don't let people tell you you're too much or that you are not a good fit. Find leaders that will grow you. Find a hospital or a company that celebrates your strengths. Don't waste time on bad jobs and don't fall into the trap of work as family. Do what's best for your career and find people that will invest in you. Yeah, interesting. I like that you say that. You've been in practice for a very long time. And now as an allied industry partner, I can only imagine the stories that you could share (laughs) with us. But I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite. You can't make this shit up story. Oh, man. So my probably... Well, there's always the gross stories, right? Of man, I can't yes, believe that this right. happened to this animal. We'll steer steer away from those. I'll okay, go with my good, favorite, like you can't make this shit up client. We had a client who had only Scottish Terriers because she was so in love with the Bush family, the President Bush family. She only had Scottish Terriers. They were all named after members of the Bush family and their full names. And she called them by their full names, not It wasn't just like George. It was like the entire name of the animal. And coming around 2016, she really hopped on the the Trump's bandwagon and she would only come to the clinic dressed in Ivanka Trump's clothes and would spend a lot of time telling everyone, I only wear Ivanka. (laughs) All right. Wow. She was a good time. Yeah, I bet. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) You are, where, where do you hail from again? I am in Tallahassee, Florida. That's the state that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is the, nothing against it Floridians. It's just that you think it is. <laughs> it is Trump Central, which again, no, there's no offense for our Florida listeners. It is just a reality that you know Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. is there. You know he lives there, so that's awesome. Yep. How yep. funny! Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. I ran fluids too high on a patient during surgery, didn't realize, and the patient had a little bit of pulmonary edema from it. Patient was totally fine. Tell me about your proudest moment. 
when I first moved over to that general practice and got into practice management, I was able to actually evaluate my entire team's skill set and get raises for the entire team based on their skill set. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? I got into it because I love animals. I originally thought I wanted to be an RN, and then I realized I didn't like people. And then I also didn't realize that there were people attached to the end of every single leash. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? I practice it currently by maintaining a schedule, going and exercising. And I also love to play some video games. So I carve out a little bit of time for myself to do that every day. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? Work-life balance is on point at all times. Prior to pet desk, total work guilt. What keeps you up at night, things that stress you out um, or cause you anxiety? Worrying about the evolution of the veterinary field. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? Coffee. What color are you? Probably blue. And if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? I would be a cat, but... I would be one of my own cats because I treat them better than I treat myself. So I would only be reincarnated as one of them so that I could lead a very pampered lifestyle. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Awesome, Mary. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mary, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It was so great to have you. This was fantastic. Yeah, it was super fun, you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, Mary, how can we get in touch with you? Where can we find you? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn very easily, Mary Schwartz on LinkedIn. And then I will be traveling around with Pet Desk to a lot of trade shows this year. I'll be going to WBC where I'll be presenting a lecture on fighting big box retailers as an independent practice. So make sure to check that out. And then I'll also be going to AVMA and Chicago Vet and Connexity. So come meet me. All right. Awesome. All right. We'll see you there. Sounds good. Thanks again, Mary. Thanks, guys. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your you can't make this shit up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast and be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree David Liss and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.